Have we reached the end of Roleplay Rescue? Is this really the end of the line? What can I do to keep the home fires burning and continue to inspire more people to keep playing games of imagination? If you say the real life is up your days And you don't have time to play Well midlife is the best time to start a new role-playing phase And you need a rescue Chase coming at you with a rescue A role-play rescue Chase gonna help my friend Let's sit down the game My name is Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hey Che, Andy here. (coughs) Early morning. I have an amusing, I think you'll find it amusing, confession to make. Um, When you first started playing your your TJ Drennan music, I absolutely hated it. And um, because I really liked the old music you used, I got re- and I was really into. It. I, I liked it, and then you suddenly changed to this other music. I thought, oh, what's this terrible hard rock nonsense that Che's playing now? And I, I almost called in <laughs> to complain <laughs> at the time. I'm very glad I didn't because one, it would have insulted the wonderful TJ, and two, I love it now. I totally love it. It's almost one of my favourite parts, especially that kind of instrumental, or the break, but I don't know what it's called, but the, you know, the bit where it goes crazy. Hello, Rescuers. Yes, this is going to be the last episode in Season 5 of Roleplay Rescue. Massive thank you to Andy Goodman there at the top of the show for his deep and very dark confession. Andy... Thank you for admitting it. You know what? The reason I changed the music, apart from I could get the services of the amazing TJ Drennan, but the real reason was that someone else had started to use the stock anchor music that I was using on another roleplay-related anchor show. And you know what? I was crushed. So yeah, this is going to be the last episode in Season 5. I need a break and as the stresses of work crescendo, you know, amid the wild howlings of a global pandemic and, well, also all the marking I'm going to have to do over Easter, well, I'm going to hang up the mic. Well, I'm going to hang it up at least for a while. Today, I wanted to confess to a wild idea that has been gestating in my mind for a few weeks now. And really, this is something that arose in response to the amazing support I've received from the tabletop role players all over the world over the past 16 months or so. Did you know that this show is being listened to more than a thousand times a week in more than 50 countries? To me, this is astounding, unbelievable. Thank you, everyone, for listening and continuing to listen. Anyway, I've had this crazy idea. I mentioned it to Evil Jeff in a Discord chat just the other day, And he, well, he responded pretty positively. From there, I thought I'd ask some other people whose opinion that I trust. 
And so here I am, talking to you, my listeners. I need to run this crazy idea past you lot. I need to do that because, frankly, this will take a bit of effort and staying power. I want to ask you something simple. Should I start writing some stuff down? This is Season 5, Episode 22. Writing Stuff Down. I've been gaming for nigh on 40 years. Longer, if you count my wargaming with Dad as a kid. In that time, I've read more games than I can count and played more game systems than I can fathom. I've played with some good and some awful referees. I've run some terrible games, one of my worst just a couple of months back actually. And I've run some brilliant games. Some of my favourite moments have been with players in Thal, Dolmenwood and with 5th edition D&D at school in the past few weeks. But there have been many great moments through the years. In all, I reckon I've had, you know, a little bit of experience and a whole truckload of obsession with this, well, this tabletop role-playing game thing. For the longest time, I've been seeking a means to give something back to the hobby community that I love so much and from which all the really important skills I needed in life were forged. It's not an exaggeration to say that role-playing games have entirely shaped my life. The gift of Arneson and Gygax, filtered through Perrin and Hargrave, while well, it's infused my soul with wonder and delight. In all these years, I couldn't see a way to give back. In the end, the passionate thoughts and need to express, they bubbled out into, well, this podcast. And since November 2018, a whole new community of like-minded gamers has enriched my life like never before. I've stopped feeling isolated. I've stopped feeling alone. You've given me my voice. Thank you. And yet, there is more. There is something I need to do but I'm not sure exactly what it is. That said, I had an idea. And the idea, well, it's simple. I should write down all the crazy theories and ideas I keep talking about. I should organise them into a how-to guide. And I should share those rambling guides with all of you lot. I propose to write something I playfully call Webster's Grimoire. Webster's Grimoire is an idea, and you need to let me know if it's worth beginning. Imagine a zine-style simple booklet, perhaps a nice piece of black and white art on the cover and the logo, Webster's Grimoire, the byline, I don't know, musings on the fine art of tabletop adventure gaming. Inside, I'd begin to talk about the how-to of playing these games, with a mind towards the practical realities, as I understand them anyway. But here's how I propose to do things differently. I propose that instead of a treatise on the one true way of gaming, instead of a strident assertion of the best ways to play, instead of that, Webster's Grimoire can be like the great dialogues of the past. 
I would present what I have learned and what I have found to work for me. I would do so with that voice that invites discussion and always with a mind to revision and change. Volume 1 might give us a solid baseline how to get started with play, perhaps a short solo adventure to teach the ropes, and a discussion on the, the great triad plus the eight engagements. Some examples using my currently evolving house rules that lean on rolling basic six-sided dice and sketching out your world with a pencil and a notebook. Stuff like that. Let's see how much help that provides. Can it encourage the aspiring referee? I don't know. But I feel like it needs to come out of me. I feel like it's time to write something down. What do you think? Please, seriously. Call in and let me know what you think. Would you be interested in reading Webster's Grimoire? Astute followers of me in social media, on eBay and across several episodes, will realise that I have a desire to fight against Alzheimer's disease. This arises from a, a deep-seated fear that rests within me. I don't want to lose myself to that condition. I've lost grandparents to it, and I've even watched friends gain an all-too-early diagnosis. And for some reason, when I recently decided to sell some role-playing books on eBay... I chose to donate some of the money to the Alzheimer's Society. This arose spontaneously and honestly just made me realise how deep this fear lies. Why am I talking about this here? Well, simply put, I feel like, on top of giving my thoughts and experience to the community, I would like to think that at least some of the money I might raise would go towards something worthwhile too. Thus, if I write Webster's Grimoire and put it on sale, I would want to offer a portion of this to charity. Of course, there is another charitable direction that I discovered recently too. When I started to give away D&D starter sets to the kids gaming at school, I received a massive boost of support from the community. I have received more than $100 in vouchers and a shiny second-hand starter set already just for the kids at the club. And that got me thinking. What if there was a way to fund free starter sets for role-playing games meant for teenagers who want to get started in gaming? Yeah, I mean, that's a wild and crazily impractical idea, but honestly, I feel like it's the sort of thing we would have given anything for back in the day. When money is tight and, and your parents either won't or can't support your curiosity for the game, the charity of strangers, that stands out. Thus, going forward, I am spending some of the Patreon funds I receive from this show on the Hobby Club at school, and I'd like to find a way, perhaps during Season 6, to run some podcast giveaways to anyone who knows of a school, library, club or convention which supports teenage gaming. Maybe we can send a D&D &D starter set to someone's school up north or a big bag of dice to a gaming club down south or even a non-5th edition starter rulebook, you know, something from the OSR community. Maybe we can send that to some 5e players who want to spread their wings in the hobby. Perhaps we can give young adults around the world the opportunity to enter imaginative worlds and discover all the riches that I know come from fantasy adventure gaming. But again, this is probably just me being a crazy, idealistic fool. I'll let you decide. Rescue! Are you curious enough to read my rambling thoughts on adventure gaming? 
Would sitting down to write my crazy ideas down be worth both my time to scribble and your time to read? I don't know. What I do know is that I need to bring season five to a close. I'm going to take a break, think about what material I have to talk about in season six and and listen to all of your feedback. This will be the last shout from Roleplay Rescue season five. I believe there will be a sixth season. I believe that it will come just after Easter. And I believe that, hopefully, sooner rather than later, I'll include another really cool series of interviews with gamers from across the community. What do you think? Are you with me on this? Are we going to keep on creating this community of discovery in which everyone can feel accepted, no matter how they choose to play? Game on. Roleplay Rescue is supported by a tight group of patrons through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. As I record this, we have 27 patrons and are but a gnat's whisker from hitting the next goal at 30 patrons. What you might not know is that I recently changed both the Patreon tier rewards and the goals, so the 30 patron goal is something a little different and actually was a suggestion from patron Tim Baker. Thanks, Tim! The most popular episodes are interviews with tabletop RPG luminaries, such as the recent interview with Gavin Norman. Although I can't guarantee that anyone will say yes to an interview, I have decided to make the 30 patron goal all about the interviews. Thus, ladies and gentlemen, if we hit the 30 patron goal, I will approach and invite another tabletop role-playing luminary onto the show for an interview. Even better than that, I will first run a patron-only poll to decide which luminary to approach. Once we have a target guest, I'll stick my neck out and invite them onto the show. Of course, if they say no, well, that'll be on them. But I'll happily run a second poll and so on, keeping going until someone the patrons wants says yes. How does that sound? We have 27 patrons today. Thank you to every single one of them. But what about you? Are you in? Becoming a member costs as little as $1 a month. If three of you step forward, we'll hit that goal and you'll be able to choose the next big interview I try to record. I hope you'll agree with me that this is a potentially exciting, if slightly crazy, idea. Once again, thanks to the Roleplay Rescue patrons for supporting the show and thanks to Tim Baker for the idea. Can you help us get out there and hit it? Patreon.com slash RPG Rescue. Game on! So today I'm going to do things differently. I'm putting the call-ins back to the end of the episode. A kind of, I guess a kind of homage to my original format back in seasons one and two. Thus... Here are some call-ins, plus a few responses where I felt I had something to say. From there, I will leave you to your gaming and hope that you'll still be wanting to listen on the far side of Easter, after my birthday too. Take it away, callers. Hey Shay, this is Minion from Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. I would have to say that episode 515 is the one that I would like to put forward. That's the Using RPGs in Education episode. So I'll probably get around and put that up on Twitter uh, sometime this evening, um, hopefully. If I forget, give me a shout. Um, yep, keep up the good work. It's just fantastic, and you've got so many listeners. I'm, I can't believe it. Uh, must be a bit daunting to have sort of people expecting episodes. Anyway, um, glad to hear that you're, you've uh, found 
5e and how to use that to encourage your uh, students to get into role-playing games. Sounds like it's all on all role in the NS. So anyway, take care. Have a have a great weekend. A week rather. <laughs> Goodbye. Mighty Minion. Thanks for the calling, man. And um, yes, you did stick it out on Twitter, so thanks for doing that as well. Wonderful. That episode 515, is that the one with uh, Dave Aldridge? Uh, yes, I think it is. And Dave and I, we just need to get back to the mic and talk more. Anyway, yes, you're right. Um, all those listeners, it's kind of daunting. And that's why I'm bailing out on the season now and completely running off and, you know, never coming back. Um <laughs> it is actually quite scary i never intended it to be anything more than just sort of me warbling and maybe a couple of people would listen you know um but it's people have been so generous and so wonderful about it all and uh, obviously there's something that i'm saying that people that people enjoy and i know you're one of those it is fantastic to hear from you all and well yeah i'm gonna stop wittering and, and get on but uh yeah keep going man and um loving your podcast too game on Hi Jay, it's Laren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. I have to tell you that I am catching up on some old episodes and I just got to your basic referee toolkit and man is that some good timing. I might actually try to GM a game. I know, isn't that crazy? It'll be a PBTA game, it's not going to be an OSR game. Uh, of course, I throw all those terms around thinking to myself, well, I mean, not that that matters to me, but <laughs> like, for example, I'm not even sure if the Dark Trails game would be considered an OSR game. Like, I honestly don't know if it is or not. And uh, the Cthulhu game I played in today that Andy Goodman is running, I don't know if that's OSR or not. So I think it might be because it has a whole bunch of stats, but I could be wrong. Anyways, thanks for the episode. Back to listening. Oh yes, Liran, you have to run a game. That's so awesome to hear. Um, I would love to hear how it goes, and uh, actually, to be honest with you, I'd love to be involved in it. That would be amazing. But um, I can't honestly see there being much chance of us getting the uh, the kind of line up there in terms of time. Anyway, um, I just wanted to say I kind of don't think it's that helpful to go worrying about whether the game you're playing or the game you're running has the OSR label on it or not, because. Well, I'll be honest, I don't really know what that means anymore. Um, I'm finding most of these labels really unhelpful. Um, I love uh, pretty much dozens, hundreds even of games and I just want to play and maybe it would be more helpful if we all just talked about the games we were playing and not worry so much about whether they fit in with what other people are playing. But hey... Maybe I'm just an old hippie and uh, talking a load of old rubbish. What matters is that you're calling in. Thank you so much, Liren, for listening. So so much for your feedback. It really does matter to me. Thank you. Hello, Che. This is Dave. I'm listening to episode 520, back to the fifth edition. There was some comments made about uh, letting the players run part of the game, make some decisions about the world. Well, I recently had an experience with that. I was a GM in my little world. Basically, it was a slum town with no no management at all. And uh, the players decided they wanted some. They wanted to get together and talk about it. And we did. And we talked about it. Uh, it, was, it was fun. Came up with something manageable. 
And uh, anyhow, that's nice. Glad you are doing, putting this out there. I enjoy listening. Thank you. Hi, Che. It's Pandian Knight here, first-time caller. I've just listened to episode 520, and I wanted to say that I was stoked to hear you mention the Rollgate Classic Traveller game, and to say that I'm really glad to be a part of that game. It's filling a gap for me in terms of uh, the groups I play with or are struggling to meet. Um, I just want to say thank you for that, and I'm looking forward to see where the fringe takes me on our adventure. Um, a lot of what you say and have said in past podcasts has really vibed with me in terms of how I am going about learning to play um, RPG games. Uh, just wanted to say thank you and keep up the good work. Hi, Jay. It's Liren. You know, I am listening to you, your response to Andy about narrative games and I need to get Jeff to call and talk to you because Jeff has run a ton of narrative games and I think that you and him could have a really productive conversation about that. I can tell you that having done a bunch of partner writing on a website where uh, you co-write a story with another person, so sometimes you're just writing an individual character, sometimes you write one um, guild or, you know, one um, section of the characters and the other person writes other ones. But, you know, we used terms like NPC when we were doing that. So some people were role-playing RPGs, actually. But other people were doing something completely separate from that and had never even played an RPG. So, I don't know. You know, there's a lot going on there. Anyway, I gotta get Jeff in touch with you. Hey, Jay. This is John from the Red Dice Diaries. I'm just listening to episode 520 where you're answering a call from Spencer saying... You wonder how many people who are players are on the cusp of GMing, but they're being put off by the fact that they can collaboratively contribute to a game. Now, I'm not going to lie, I'm a fairly big fan of collaboration when it comes to contributing to games. However, my only, my only sort of, I suppose, uh, rebound to that would be if these people are being put off by a simple thing like someone trying to get them more involved in a game. I would question how much they actually want to GM in the first place. I mean, I certainly know that I GM a lot of games and no amount of collaborating in games would have put me off from that because I enjoy doing it. Anyway, just a thought, dude. I'm going to go back to the episode. I'll catch you soon. A string of call-ins there from some fantastic people. From uh, We've got David Mayer. we got Pandy and Knight. First-time callers both, I believe. And we've also got Liren again and John Allen Large from Red Dice Diaries. Thank you all for calling in. It is brilliant to hear from you. A, a real selection of comments and thoughts, and much for me to chew on, I suppose. I wanted to comment back on John's thoughts there at the end and just sort of, I don't know, maybe as a clarification, I can't actually remember what I said in the last episode, um, but when people are collaborating heavily at the table, I mean, that's obviously what role playing is all about, so that's not a problem, but when players get to genuinely create the world without necessarily the GM having input, when they get to kind of force their thoughts into the world 
I think there's a different dynamic going on there than when the GM is, if you like, presenting a world within which the players interact and they can kind of shape the world through their actions. There is a difference there. And I can't, I don't know, I just sometimes wonder whether people who were just nervous of tipping over to the GM chair can kind of find comfort in that kind of collaboration. And I'm not totally sure if that's good or not. I, I don't know. I kind of feel like I want my GM to own the world. But then maybe that's because I'm a complete control freak. Maybe I'm thinking about the teenagers I game with. You know, many of them tell me they cannot be a GM. They're never going to be a GM. They can't do that. They can't do that. And they enjoy the calibration. But there comes a point, because I hold back from giving them too much say, that they kind of ultimately, eventually evolve and find themselves unable, I feel, to stop themselves from actually stepping away and going and running their own game. And if that makes any sense, that's what I mean. Anyway, I'm going to stop blithering because, you know what? I've got Colin on the line and he's got something to say about usage dice. Hi, Che. Whenever people talk about usage dice... They always go for arrows as the example of why usage dice are maybe not for them. And I, I find that quite interesting. I think it is because the arrow example is the best example that supports the case perhaps against usage die. But if you wanted to advocate the use of this mechanism... I would go for rations because I'm sure everybody's gone into their fridge or bread bin at some time and found some mouldy food that they were sort of thinking was going to be their lunch. Um, I can take or leave usage die, but for things like rations and other types of equipment, they, they do add a certain interest, I think. Thanks, Colin. Brilliant to hear from you and I hope you're well. Yeah, usage dice. I, um, I, you know, I hope it came across clearly. My objection is not that it somehow doesn't work. It just breaks my sense of the fantasy, the immersion in the world. Yeah, that's the thing. So, yeah, and I use the arrows because I guess it's the first thing that came to mind. And maybe that makes me utterly unoriginal and for which I apologise. But yeah, rations, what a great idea. If you wanted to use a piece of equipment and have it randomly run out. I was talking to Shandy Andy as well and he his his one is torches. He thinks that the the standard, you know, kind of old school thing of a torch burns for exactly one hour, like 60 minutes, you know, six, 10 minute turns and, and then it goes out. That's completely unrealistic, he said, despite the fact that he also admits quite happily that BX is utterly utterly unrealistic and that's his favorite game but putting that aside you know again this idea that you'd use the usage die to find out when the the torch goes out but for me the the of heart mechanic is the idea that you know you randomly determine how many usages you get i get that or how long the thing goes for um but i also feel like that's fiddly and i don't know whether it's worth the randomness for me you know, I'd just rather know that I've got some rations. And it's no problem for me as a GM if I want to, like, have spoilage in the rations. You know, they come to the, they come along and they get spoilage. I mean, 
another suggestion I came across, which comes from GURPS Dungeon Fantasy, is the idea that, you know, when there's a random encounter, some of the random encounters are things like you notice that your bag's got a hole in it, a load of stuff's fallen out, or you notice that the rations have gone off. That's both, both of those are actually in their suggestions. And, you know, again, in a dungeon, the torch goes out. They're all just as easily resolved for me on a random basis by a random encounter. So for all that fiddling around with the dice chain, I'm just not convinced. Anyway, thank you, Colin, for calling in. And, well, actually, Jason's calling now, and I think he's going to go on about it too. So let's see what he's got to say. It's a slightly different take, I suspect. Hey, Trey, Jason here. Just listened to episode 521, I think, the If You Want Immersion Slow Down episode. It was a great episode. Good thoughts on there. Um, yeah, I think players really do like it when you slow down and do those details. I know as a GM, we get in a rush to get to the fun stuff. But hey, it depends on your group. I mean, you have to read your group. But there are a lot of players that re- really enjoy those little things. They enjoy the interactions with NPCs with the funny voices and all that kind of thing. So I, I think we as the GM tend to underestimate the value of that to the players sometimes. Um, also, really quickly, you talk about the usage die. And this is going to go into two calls. So before I do that, I will say I will leave a more in-depth comment about the usage die on your Discord channel, and I'm going to talk to you on Patreon, reference your 30 backer goal. I think it's a great goal. Just have a quick recommendation, but I'll put that up on Patreon. So on to the second message. As I mentioned, I'll go more in-depth in the um, Discord, but I think the usage die is a real place, maybe not for counting bullets and beans, but it has a good place, although... Arguably, food, it's harder to say, well, I just ate, unless your rations are shrink-wrapped, you, you know, and you know this is one meal's worth. But where usage I really comes in are variable effects, like how long a spell lasts or how long a disease lasts on a character. And Dave Aldrich has made, made great use of this in his Black Hat game for variable length of spells and diseases, how long they linger with different characters and things like that. So the usage I definitely has a place I, I can definitely agree with you that, you know, as far as counting bullets and um, arrows and stuff, yeah, whatever. But as far as these variable effects of magic and diseases and, you know, maybe even how long a torch takes to run out, it's got a great use. Thank you, Jason. It's brilliant to hear from you. And now you're talking turkey because that's a different thing. And this is where I'm going to sound like I'm kind of paradoxically contradicting myself i guess but uses die for like things running out at a random point when i could just count them off a list makes very little sense to me because i still got to count that dice chain down but the idea of a timed effect well that's a development of the timer you know i've mentioned this before the idea that you'd grab a bunch of d6 um and on a i don't know one or a two as you roll those dice or one to three or one to four whatever however fast you want the timer to be you take away the dice that come up in that range of numbers and you keep rolling each turn until you run out of dice and then the thing goes off that sort of standard timer effect what you're doing there with the usage die is you're sort of changing the dice parameter for that you could go with you know a single die roll and then it goes down to a smaller die and so on now i've got to be honest I just think the time is simpler as well. I kind of think like doing it with D6 works just fine. I want to know how long the spell runs. Well, it kind of has a timed effect. Grab yourself six D6, roll them each 10-minute turn, 
every single time you get a one to two, um, you take away the dice and it will keep going until you run out of dice. That works for me. Um, and I don't need to worry about which size dice I'm fiddling around with. I just have the D6 running. But hey, you know, horses for courses. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I don't see the point. And I guess that's the heart of taste, isn't it? By the way, there you go again, mentioning Dave Aldridge. Second time today, we have talked about how we need to get him talking on the show again. What do you say, Dave? Going to come back on? Thank you. Thank you both, again, to Colin and Jason for talking to me about Usage Dice. Game on. Rescue! That's it for this episode, and that's it for this season of Roleplay Rescue. Thank you for listening. Please, let me know. Shall I write some stuff down? Would you be interested in Volume 1 of Webster's Grimoire? Thank you to all the callers in today's episode. Thank you to Andy Goodman, Colin Spikepit-Green, David Mayer, John Large, Liren, Minion and Pandian Knight. And thank you to Jason. Thank you again to the wonderful patrons who support Roleplay Rescue through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. You are my inspiration and actually my support group. I love you all. Thank you. And here, at the end, a massive thank you to the musician, the maestro himself, the creator and performer of the theme tune that Andy Goodman hated, Mr. T.J. Drennan. Thank you, man. I think, in all honesty, your music is better than my whole bloody show put together. Let's see if we can keep building this community of discovery together. Let's keep it real And remember to accept everyone, however much we might disagree, or share different desires at the table. Let's keep welcoming people back to the adventure gaming table, no matter who they are. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. I'll see you again sometime after Easter. Game on!